Have you ever seen teenage penguins? No. I know, it's a weird question. Let me show you this. <laughs> I didn't know. Is there a difference between like a regular penguin yeah. and a teenage penguin? Yes. Okay. Because look, child penguins have all this like brown fur feathers on them. And then when they're teenagers, oh, it no. like falls off in patches. And so they look oh, no. bizarre. And they're like half regular penguin, but then with all this like Puberty weird... is hard for I everyone. Know. These like... Oh my gosh. <laughs> and there's so many amazing pictures. If you just Google teenage penguin, there are so many hilarious pictures. Look at this one. He's just so angry oh. about all this and hair. I was about to say, wouldn't you be? Yeah. Yeah. Where is my favorite picture though? This um, moody, angsty guy is I my love favorite. him. I love him. <laughs> there is another one somewhere down here. I looked at hundreds of these last night. As one does. What made you think of this? Um, I saw a random tweet that was like a video of like this like brown furred penguin and I know it's not actually fur but it yeah. looks like fur. Yes. Um, following around an adult penguin and I was like wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Is that what adolescent penguins look like? And so I googled it. I googled teenage penguin because that is a much better <laughs> phrase. So they start off with their brown fur. With, yeah. And they're cute looking. And they're, and they're cute. But then as they're transitioning into adulthood, much like humans and probably every other species, all of their like cute brown feathers fall off yeah. and reveal the black and white underneath. <laughs> but that period of transition is so funny looking. It is. I just didn't know the whole of, of creation also struggle with puberty. episode 190 of From the Front Porch, a collection of conversations on books, small business, and life in the South. My name is Chris Jensen, and I am charmed by all the wildflowers growing on the side of the road on the way up to Thomasville, Georgia. Oh my goodness, they're so beautiful. They're so beautiful. <laughs> I'm Annie Jones, owner of The Bookshelf, an independent bookstore in beautiful downtown Thomasville, Georgia. The wildflowers on my drive today were far and away the highlight of life in these United States. I could not, when we drove back from church on Sunday, I could not stop smiling yeah. like i had the most ridiculous giant grin on my face because they keep going like you think they're gonna stop yeah and then they keep going it's it's miles yes miles of them and i it's so my cool. whole heart was so full this is what i told jordan i was like i don't know why they didn't do this don't do this everywhere because it right? cuts down on mowing mm -hmm. so it cuts down on costs mm -hmm. let god do the work yep <laughs> um all <laughs> so of highway crazy. 27 down yeah down the state is wildflowers yes um it's so, so great anyway you heard it here first. <laughs> Come visit Thomasville and drive in between. Um, new Florida governors. Yeah. Uh, Governor candidates. Governor candidates. Like, uh, this is all we want. Listen up. Just uh, put some wildflowers in the median and Can you imagine if the interstate billions. had... I would prefer it. It'd be Me so too. Pretty. I wonder what could get hidden there, though. Snakes. <laughs> anyway, it's... Uh, it's the end of the month. It's the end of the month. As we say every month, whoo boy. We did it. We did it. <laughs> I honestly feel like every month is this huge success just for finishing it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, and I, so I had a big month. I submitted a, a dissertation chapter. Like, great. Still have not received feedback on that from my oh boy. committee. So, uh, it's fine. 
I got one like side comment that was like, I'm two thirds through your fine chapter. And I'm like, that's nice. Yeah, no news is good news. I, I would really it. like feedback is yeah. the thing. Um, so you could continue on with the next chapter. Yeah, which I'm just doing anyway. Well, you have to. Because I have to. But uh, I don't know, it was a big month, big month. It's mostly been stressful around these parts. I, uh, yeah, I've been pretty open on the internet. I've got some accounting to figure out. Uh-huh. And, and look, nobody panic. I feel like the internet might be panicking. Yeah, nobody panic. Nobody panic. I do have an accountant. I think there were some people on the internet that were like, <laughs> Annie, why are you doing this yourself? I'm not. But I was stressed because I had to wait two weeks before right. meeting with my accountant. And so sometimes you should review your own numbers. That's right. Even before bringing them to a professional. And so I had and was just... The way I knew to do bookkeeping was taught to me by someone else. And I'm learning that that might not have been the best way. And so now I'm having to... Adjust. Adjust. Yeah. And look, I'm not always great at adjusting. I'll be honest. Actually, I am. But I need to know the proper way. Yeah. You know, do you know what I mean? Like, I, I'm I know fine. exactly. What I can you mean. quickly recover and redo what needs to be done. But, but I need to know how. Yeah, but I need to know how. And so the past probably two to three weeks have just been me in limbo, which is my least favorite place to be. Yeah. I don't handle it well. I'm, I'm really good in crisis. I keep a very level head typically. Yeah. Um, it's the waiting. But it's the waiting. Yeah, that's how it is for me too. Yeah. So that's what September's been like for me. Super fun. So good. <laughs> so good. But I mean, I'm looking at your list here. It didn't seem to impact your reading rhythm. God, I read a lot. You this did month. read a lot. And I'm really proud of how much I read because we're going to talk about there were some large spaces between some of these books. Hmm. So what that meant was just a couple of um, busy reading hmm. weekends, like in between. So gotcha. we'll talk about it. Cool. So the first thing on your list is one we talked about last week in our fall preview episode, mm -hmm. um, Bitter Orange by Claire Fuller. Yeah. So I think I've mentioned before our previous, one of our older managers, Rebecca, loved Claire Fuller. She liked the book Swimming Lessons, I think it was called. Mm -hmm. And Our Endless Numbered Days. Our Endless Numbered Days. Um, but I had never read her. So this book was the one that reminded me of Tangerine, mm -hmm. including down to the name yeah. now that I think of it. And the cover. And well, the, no, not the cover. The cover. Because Tangerine co doesn't have citrus on the no, cover. No, this cover is beautiful. Um, but this book is about a middle-aged woman who moves kind of to this dilapidated old house in, um, I guess, the English countryside. Mm -hmm. And she is kind of taking inventory of the landscape of, mm -hmm. this, of this home for the owner. And then when she gets there, she discovers um, a couple has been assigned, I guess, inventorying the pro the, the, the products, the um, interior of the mm -hmm. home. So she's kind of responsible for the exterior. This married couple is responsible for the interior. And it's kind of an odd couple. Um, this young, this middle-aged woman kind of observes some things happening. And some of it you think, that could mean nothing. And then some of it you think, that's kind of sketchy and mm -hmm. weird. And um, so the main character's discovers this peephole because of course she does. Oh no. Yeah, and she utilizes it. Oh no. Yeah, so there's just a lot of tension, like really yeah. quiet tension. This is a slow burn book. If you are not interested in a slow burn, this is not for you. This is not some high-paced, intense thriller. Gotcha. This is really beautifully written prose, um, but a very methodical, slow pace until you finally kind of reach the breaking point. So mm. this really quiet tension. I liked this book a lot. If you did not like Tangerine, you might like this one better. Um, 
so Tangerine, if, if I'm not mistaken, was written by a debut novelist. I think so. Bitter Orange is not. You can tell right. this is someone who knows what they're doing. Knows their craft. And yes. And so you might see a little difference there. Um, there's also, yeah, there are some flashbacks that I think are really well done. It reminded me in some ways of The All of It, which I read okay, earlier yeah. this year, mm -hmm. that really quiet novel. Um, I think this is a fun one, especially for... As we ease into fall, we're not there yet here, but <laughs> <No>. <laughs> but just because it's so quiet, and even though it takes place in um, the British countryside, I think during the summer, you can kind of feel the waning days of summer happening. Um, this married couple at the heart of the novel, you know, ranges from really sweet and adoring with one another mm -hmm. to kind of creepy with one another. Gross. It's interesting, yeah. Uh, so I think the characters and the, and the setting are really great. I liked it. Cool. Um, big shift here. Um, <laughs> cannot think of a book more different from Bitter Orange than Fear by Bob Woodward. Yeah, I won't, um, I won't kind of belabor this one. This is a book that on its first day released into the wild sold 75,000 copies, if Good. I'm not mistaken. Um, we actually sold quite a few here at the bookshelf. So I snagged one for myself, um, to read, um, and then finished it quickly so I could pass it along to someone else. Um, look, there are a lot of books out right now about um, our political climate, about our current president. The reason I chose this one, I've read, I read one book about um, President Trump's campaign, mm -hmm. uh, Unbelievable by Katie Turr, which I think is really great. And I decided to read this one um, about his presidency rather than a book by Omarosa or mm -hmm. James Comey. Mm -hmm. I wanted somebody with a reliable um, journalistic background. Right. Bob Woodward writes um, books about the presidents. He wrote one about Obama. He mm -hmm. wrote one about George W. Um, so I kind of trusted his voice. I trust his research. I trust his process. Um, apparently, I have not read any reviews of this book, but apparently this one received rather scathing reviews. I don't know. Um, all I know is I appreciated the research, and I was able to process and finish this one quickly um, while also receiving new information I didn't know before. So cool. I... Um, I'm not a news junkie, but I do love the news and I listen to a lot of news and I watch a lot of news. Um, I like that this kind of puts into perspective exactly how Trump's presidency has kind of run its course mm -hmm. and the different crises at different points in the presidency. Um, I also, and people might roll their eyes at this, I actually feel like this is a fairly unbiased account. Hmm. Um, I think this is somebody who didn't come in with an agenda, um, didn't come in with anger or frustration, but just instead... Just the facts. Yeah. yeah. Um, and sure, those facts are going to maybe skew a certain way. Um, but as, as facts do. Yes, but... I think the intent behind this book was different from an Omarosa gotcha. written book, um, which I think makes sense if you're yeah, looking at it at face value. I, you know, I hesitate to say I liked this book, but I did, I think on my Instagram, give it four stars mm -hmm. because it's one I really appreciated. Yeah. I'm glad to have read. I feel like I can make more thoughtful, intentional, um, well-researched statements now rather than guttural responses. Intelligent conversation. Yes. Yep. And I think that this, that's what this book does. I've heard it's a good audiobook. Um, I believe that, yeah. Yeah, and I I will say this other thing too. The book does meander, meaning sometimes I would be in a chapter about North Korea and something else would be in there. So there were times when I couldn't quite tell 
were we traveling through the presidency chronologically? Mm -hmm. Like, how was this organized? And I really think that's partly because I have no doubt this book was put together quickly. Yeah. Um, to capitalize on something or yeah, other. Yes. So I think, I will say again, I think the research is well done. Mm -hmm. I think it's there. I do think it's put together not always in the neatest of ways. Gotcha. But that's okay. I wound up reading a lot of it out loud to Jordan. We were able to have some conversations about it. There's also just some stuff in here, regardless of who the president is, president is where you learn a lot about the presidency and the executive powers themselves. Yeah. And I really appreciated that. I wanted to hear some things, like I said, about North Korea, about international relations, right. about tariffs, things that I just didn't right. you hear them talked about on the news, but you might not have the backstory for them. And I think this book provides that. So it's not an expose. It is. I didn't a, think so. An explanation. And I'm sure Simon and Schuster is trying to sell it as an expose. Yeah. The cover and, screams oh, expose. my goodness. And <laughs> we've talked about so many times, like so much of publishing is yes. just marketing. That's right. Like it's not the content of the book. It's how it's packaged. That's right. Um, this book is packaged in a very particular way, which I think will turn some people off. Absolutely. And obviously will turn some people on. Will yep. make people grab it. I read it because of what I hoped the content would be like inside because of Bob Woodward's trusted voice. Right. Um, like I said, I hesitate to say I liked it, but I learned a lot from it. And you, yeah, it seemed like you enjoyed parts of it at yes. least. Um, the next one you read is Waiting for Eden by Elliot Ackerman. Yeah, so fear bogged me down there for a little bit. Yeah, I can imagine. <laughs> um, just because you're reading it and you actually do really want to pause in between chapters. Because like you need process. a Yeah, to like process what you've just read. So here's why I liked Waiting for Eden. I picked it up um, basically one day at the bookshelf. I was doing something and I realized I needed uh, needed to do something. And so I quickly picked up this book and I was like, let me just see what this book is like. And I picked it up and next thing you know, I'd read, <laughs> I don't know how many pages. And I thought, well, I need to finish whatever it is I'm doing here at the bookshelf so that I can go home and finish this book. I love that. Um, and that never happens to me. because It's I've, so nice. Like I very rarely pick up a book while I'm here. I mm -hmm. think that's one of the misconceptions of bookstore ownership. Right. Um, but I did pick this one up here and then immediately took it home with me. Um, it releases, I think, late this month we're recording okay. we're recording in september it'll re i think it'll release well, in september only, there are only 3 days left yeah i think it maybe it even released today as of recording but anyway um Elliot Ackerman, I guess his previous book uh, was a National Book Award finalist, maybe. Okay. I was not familiar with his work, but he's his a... His name sounds familiar. He's a veteran. Okay. Um, and this book, Waiting for Eden, is about Eden, this man who is a vet, and he's come home from the Iraq War, and he has lost his limbs, mm -hmm. and he has also lost the ability to speak, but he is still, to some extent, cognitively functioning. So in this book, you get Eden's story where he is trapped. And then you also, the narrator of this book is the soldier who died alongside him. And I love that use of this kind of omnipresent mm -hmm. narrator mm -hmm. um, where this narrator is kind of watching Eden and as it were, waiting for Eden. Um, you also get flashbacks to life before he was deployed. Um, you get a look at his wife, Mary. Um, I said this on my Instagram review, but um, look, men and women write books differently. Mm -hmm. I think they just do. Uh, and I think they especially write about sex and gender differently. I don't have a problem with that, generally speaking, because many times we're just different people. Men and women are different from each other. He writes about his, uh, meaning 
Ackerman writes about Eden's wife in a way that I was like, oh, I can tell a man is writing this book. Mm. But it didn't bother me um, because the main character in this book is Eden and Mary is the one who has kind of stood by him Mm -hmm. and she continues to visit him in the hospital and kind of stay by his side through years. I mean, he is kind of in this rather vegetative state for years. Um, And so you kind of get this interesting dilemma as a reader, like, would you... Would you have put Eden out of his misery? Would you have kept him mm. um, on machines? Like what? So you kind of get these end of life questions, which I don't know about you, but growing up in Florida, Terry Shiver yeah. was a huge part of um, my education, especially in middle school and high school. And so, um, so I appreciated that. I also appreciate any book that kind of takes place during or about the Iraq Afghanistan wars because we don't talk about we act like we're not even over there anymore. Still doing that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and so it's been a while. Yeah. So I appreciate any books. I really liked Phil Clay's Deployment, which came out a few years ago. I think it was a National Book Award. It sounds a little bit also like Jesse Goolsby's I'd walk with my friends if yes. I could find them. Yes, absolutely. Because you're I don't know, I firmly believe reading helps us have more understanding and more empathy. Absolutely. And realizing that there are still soldiers and soldier spouses yeah. and partners still facing the consequences of being Absolutely. overseas. I just appreciated that. So this book, here's the other thing I loved. It is so short. And and I don't mean, here's what I've noticed about short books. If they're done well, the author has packed in this amazing mm-hmm. story that I think it almost is more requires more talent than multiple pages. Uh I don't know if that makes sense, but like the ability for somebody to tell such a complete, interesting, intricate story in so few words is fascinating to me. So I really loved Waiting for Eden. It'll go, I think it'll be in my top 10 of the year. Okay, wow. Yeah, it was really good. That's a big deal. It's so good. Um, The next one is A Cloud in the Shape of a Girl, which we also mentioned last week briefly. Yeah, we mentioned it because I was loving it. Mm -hmm. I'm pretty sure I said, like I'm in the middle of this one, I really love it. By the end. I loved this book until like the last quarter and I thought, what happened to the book I was reading? Mm. So the book is about three generations of women, a grandmother, mother, and daughter. The first half of the book is kind of the grandmother. You really only get a little bit about the grandmother, honestly. Mm. And then the mother, and then the last chunk is really more from the daughter or about the daughter's perspective. Let me tell you, I was like sold on this whole premise. Like there's some really beautiful like one-liners in this book, like Mm -hmm. things that I underlined and um, really loved. Then like the last quarter, um, I don't want to spoil anything, but the the daughter kind of becomes the main character. Mm -hmm. And this man enters her life. And I don't know if it's the cultural climate we're in, but she kind of befriends this very odd older man. Mm. And... And he is set up as kind of an odd character. And then they kind of develop this relationship. And it left me super queasy. Like, I just was mm. thinking, I don't like this. And, and I'm not sure as a reader I was supposed to like it. Sure. Like, I wonder if the author was really showing, like, this is what this is a consequence of this woman's previous behavior. Sure. Um, there are some things that through nature or nurture, we do even though we don't want to right. do it. Right, and about that kind of generational trauma. Exactly. Yeah. So I I don't know if that's part of the story that was being told, um, but the last, gosh, the last quarter of this book just really was hard for me. But there's some beautiful writing here and really good storytelling. It reminded me of Clock Dance by Ann uh-huh. Tyler. Um, so I liked it. I just... 
every so often I'll hit a book where like I'm sold, I'm sold, I'm sold, and then something happens where I'm like, yeah. oh, I didn't like this. Hmm. It took a turn I wasn't expecting. That's too bad. It is, but I'll be curious. It also has a slight historic fiction element, so uh -huh. I think it's going to appeal to that crowd. Yeah. So I feel like there are readers I know who might really love this right. one, and it, they might not have the issues I did with the right. last quarter. Right. Um, but I don't know. I'll be curious to see what other people think. It does not release until later in October than I thought. I think the end of October. Yeah, no, the date you said on the last episode was like two weeks earlier than it actually yeah, releases. Yeah, that's but right. It, it was correct in the show notes. It, yeah, it releases, I think, the 23rd. Yeah, I think that sounds right. Um, the next one is by friend of the show, Knox McCoy, um, The Wondering Years. Yay. So I love Knox and Jamie. I've been honest and open about that. They are super supportive of our store and of what we do here. Jamie has been to the bookshelf. Knox is coming to the bookshelf. We're very excited. <laughs> um, so I read his book, The Wondering Years. And look, I feel like we can all be open and honest and say people on the internet write a lot of books these days. Yeah, they do. And also motorcycles. Is that a motor? Yeah. Well, it is incessant. Yeah, that's that's bad. Please, please leave. <laughs> We are please, trying to record a podcast. Please leave the street. Okay. <laughs> there you went. Um, look, people on the internet write a lot of books. They do. And it's hard to know if their book's worth reading. Yeah. Knox's is worth reading. Good. That's so great to hear. I am so relieved to be able to say that. Um, because sometimes as a bookseller, like you want the books you read to be good. Uh -huh. This is. So part of the reason I love it, I think, is because Knox and I... I think have very similar personality types. Sure. So I think he's an Enneagram 5. I think mm -hmm. he even mentions that briefly in the book. And I think he's an INTJ. And you can tell that in his approaches to faith. Mm -hmm. And even though his upbringing was different from mine, because I went to um, an evangelical school growing up, many, yes, many of his points of reference, like I was laughing out loud. He makes a reference to Carmen. I don't know if you're familiar with Carmen. But he like, like he was, the opera. No, like there was, an, <laughs> there was a singer in Christian culture. Oh, Carmen. Carmen. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I remember Carmen. Okay, so Carmen is totally detached from my Church of Christ upbringing. Sure. But I had like a friend in my little Baptist school who loved Carmen. So like I would when he referenced Carmen, I died laughing, and Jordan was like, "What are you laughing at?" I was like, "I forgot about Carmen." Like. <laughs> Like Stacey Arico before Stacey Arico. Yeah, like yeah. it was nuts. So I just loved like picking up some of those references so that funny. I hadn't thought about yeah. in so uh -huh. long. Um, but I also, every chapter, I mean, they're very funny. I also cannot believe what he is getting away with. But I did see that Lifeway will not be carrying this. Good. And now... <laughs> oh, did I say that out loud? <laughs> but now I understand. Like I was reading it thinking... I cannot believe this is going to be sold in a Christian <laughs> bookstore only because like there's something he like he basically takes these things in pop culture mm -hmm. and what he learned about faith and the universe uh -huh. based on these pop culture references. So he references the Simpsons, which I think is hilarious because I never watched the Simpsons mm -hmm. growing up. Um, and then he references like, he references the first porn video he ever saw. Oh my. And I thought, there is no way Lifeway is selling this. And and I was correct. <laughs> there is no way Lifeway is selling this. Don't worry. You can pre-order it from the bookshelf instead. Um, but I loved <laughs> I loved how honest and open he was. And how and look, kudos to his publisher for allowing him to be yeah. honest and open and still showing really what he thinks about church and faith yeah. and, and the discoveries he's, he's made. I just really, I can't stress enough, 
not everybody is going to love this because it won't hit as close to home for right. everyone. I think it would hit me pretty hard. It would. Um, <laughs> I'm, I might pick this up. <laughs> it would, like, I was reading it, and in fact, I think there are some things in there you might like roll your eyes at or whatever, but I think there are some things that you are going to be like, oh, yeah. oh somebody has been watching me. Somebody's been in my brain. (laughs) Yes. Yes. There were just, I cannot wait to talk to him in person. Um, I really loved this book. And again, I know that's because I come from it up to it with a certain frame of reference. Um, but I thoroughly enjoyed my reading experience. Weirdly, like I laughed out loud so much the whole time I was reading it. And then at the end, I weirdly wanted to cry. And I think it's because that's good. Well, and I think it's because as a person of faith, we don't always get books like this. Yeah. Um, yeah. If ever. And I think for, I mean, I like other books of and about faith. Um, we've talked about on the show. Um, even famous people like a Sean Anyquist or a Jen Hatmaker. Right. Like Donald Miller. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. Donald Miller, one of his books changed my life. So like, but there's something about this where it's just so very vulnerable mm-hmm. about doubts and fears and struggling with heaven or hell. Like, I guess if you are a Rachel Held Evans fan, then this Knox McCoy book is going to really hit close to home. That for sounds you right. Um, but I I just can't stress enough how I en- much I enjoyed it. Like, my reading experience was so enjoyable. Laugh out loud. And then also so poignant. It's so good. That's great. Yeah. That sounds great. Yeah. Um, the next one is A Heart in the Body of the World by Deb Coletti. Okay. Guys, this is a YA book. That was so good. Now, I was torn because I couldn't tell if I was going to like it or not. So um, the main character, the protagonist of this book, um, we, very, we very first are introduced to her running away. She's running away from this restaurant. Okay. And um, her mother doesn't realize where she is. And basically, they convene. And we realize she's running away from something. She's had this kind of negative experience of this restaurant. But we realize that negative experience she's had um, was made all the more difficult because of a previous tragedy that we, the reader, don't know about. Right. So ultimately, this young woman embarks on a run from Seattle, her hometown, to Washington, D.C. For a scout. Yes. And we know she's doing this for herself, but the fact that she's running to D.C. clues the reader into she might be running with a purpose, uh-huh. even if she doesn't know what it is yet. Right. So this whole time... As a reader, I mean, truly halfway, I think it was halfway through the book, still wondering, what was this traumatic event? Why is she running to DC? What kind? What is happening here? So it took me a long time to kind of figure out, and I don't want to ruin it, because I think that's the point of the book, is it takes you a minute. But basically, um, there's this traumatic event that has happened to her and to her friends, and she wants to... She ultimately wants to run to DC to try to speak about what happened to their to them. Um, I loved this book because again, the author kind of keeps you in the dark, and so the story you're only given exactly what you need. So I couldn't jump ahead. I mm-hmm. couldn't guess what was going on. The author was only giving me snippets. Mm-hmm. Um, you kind of bounce back between the girl on the trail, like running this very long distance, to um, flashbacks to leading up to this traumatic event. Um, I just feel like this book was really original, handled some timely subject matter. Um, it's intense. Like, I I don't know. You should Google to make sure it's appropriate for you. Gotcha. Uh, based on kind of what the traumatic event is and, and surrounding it. But 
I thought the author handled it really well. Um, there were things about it always when I'm reading, and maybe this is, again, a problem with my personality, but I'm constantly, like, checking it. Do I believe it? Do I think it's true? Do I agree with it? I don't know. You know, I'm constantly <laughs> doing that, even with fiction. It's, it's not great. Um, but but anyway, so the whole time I was like, do I, do I agree with this? And anyway, by the end, I really was so satisfied with the story that had been told and also with what questions it brought up for me. Sure. Um, so I think that this is an... This is a an all-consuming, fascinating story that is a pleasure to read. It's mm -hmm. not fun reading, but it's a pleasure to read. The storytelling is so good. But then it also, because of the issues it brings up, really is going to have you asking questions of yourself, of the people you know. This would be a great book, club book. Um, just really good young adult fiction. Great. Yeah, really liked it. The next one you read was Property of the Rebel Librarian. And then what's that author's name? Allison Varnas. Varnas, okay. Guys. This is a children's chapter book. Olivia begged me to read this. It sounds great. Look, I loved it, but let me tell you something. I have not come across such horrendous parental figures in a book <laughs> since the Dursleys. Wow. Like, I kid you not. I, the whole time. And it's I don't read a ton of children's chapter books. Sure. And I think that is a common theme. Yes. In children's chapter books. Parents yeah. just don't understand. Yes. And I think I had to get in that mindset because mm -hmm. at first... I was reading it and I was kind of distracted by how villainous the parents were. Mm. So let me give you the premise. This um, young girl, seventh grader, 13, loves to read. And her parents, like we open on her dad holding up a book. I think it's called like The Witch's Game or something like that. And asking her what she's reading, why she's reading it. Um, and then they take the book away from her. And she got it from the school library, so they go talk to the school librarian. The school librarian has to take a leave of absence. Mm. It becomes this whole kerfuffle. Mm -hmm. And the girl then decides... So then the school like basically starts banning books. So it feels super extreme. Yeah. Super but also fast. very relevant. Yes. Well, and this week is Banned Books Week. Yep. Like We're recording it uh, during Banned Books Week. Um I am sure that this really does happen because I have friends who are librarians. Like, I believe that this happens. I have a brother who's a teacher. Mm -hmm. I understand that schools do things like this, but there were times when it felt no way. Like, yeah. I was like, I thought, no, this is not, this would not happen. <sighs> but it does. But it does. And, and it, um, and that, I don't know, that, that clues us into like who you are as a person, as a reader, that this seems absurd to you. Yes. And it should. Yes. Like, I had a really hard time, but then I read the author is a, either a current or former librarian. And interestingly, the book she references in her author's note that she went to battle uh, for The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. Hmm. And so, of all things. Yeah, super bizarre. So, anyway, I, I know that this kind of stuff happens, but there were parts of it that felt, especially I think the parents, I had strict. Uh, I had a strict upbringing, I guess, like by an outsider's perspective, but nothing like this. And my parents let me read whatever I wanted. Mm -hmm. um, now, I also, if you know me at all, you know that I was probably a pretty cautious person anyway. Right. Um, but so reading this was hard for me because I was like, these are like the strictest of strict parents. Like they just felt so over the top that it was hard for me to let that detail go. But the protagonist is a delight. This book reminds me a lot of Matilda. 
Yeah, where, no, I was going to say, that sounds like Matilda. Yeah, where you've got like these parental figures and these other grown-ups who don't get it, and then you've got a teacher who really gets it. This librarian really gets it. Um, you also have kind of a sweet little um, love story that I think is actually really well done, like a perfect little middle school little bit of romance that mm -hmm. I think is really sweet. Um, the Velveteen Rabbit plays a role, so I was Aww, there for it. Yeah. Um, I thought this book was delightful. Olivia's right. It's excellent. I just, between me and you, like I kept looking at Jordan going, these people are worse than the Dursleys. And he's like, <laughs> what are you talking about? <laughs> but I just couldn't get over. It felt so extreme and absurd to me. Uh -huh. And I had to keep telling myself, but wait, I think this might actually happen. Yeah, it does. Yeah, I think it's, it does. Which is terrifying to yeah, me. Yeah, yes. Um, the last one that you read this month is I Miss You When I Blink by Mary Laura Philpot. Yep. What a great title. Yeah. Okay, this is a collection of essays. I'm not done with it yet, but I'm putting it on here because like, I'm super close. Um, she works for Parnassus. Okay. Um, but I think she also, in her own right, has written articles and things like that. I think she actually was the founder of Parnassus's blog, okay. Musings. Um, I knew a little bit of her because of Parnassus. I am reading this book and I seriously feel like, what if Mary Laura is Annie Sue, but just a decade in the future. Like, it is terrifying. Like, I'm reading it, and I'm loving it, but I'm also like, what? Somebody else had a childhood crush on Tom Brokaw? Are you kidding me? Like, like things are... I'm reading things where I'm like, what? She has this really wonderful chapter. She has put into words so well um, what it was like to meet and marry her husband at the age of 21, 22. Mm -hmm. And... You know, the older I get, obviously, the more I'm like, who let me get married? That was dumb. Uh -huh. uh, but also, like, she just puts into words. I finished that particular essay, and I thought, oh, she gets it. Like, she understands. Like, so she has written this collection of essays that's really about, she approached this topic of when she worked at Parnassus or works at Parnassus, the number of women who come up to her and say, hey, I want Eat, Pray, Love, or I want Wild but I'm not a woman who would ever do either of those things. Mm -hmm. And so she set out to write this kind of collection of essays for like the every woman, somebody who's not going to strap on a backpack and tour the trail. Uh -huh. uh, and then who's not going to go to Bali and like, you know, leave her family behind. That sounds so interesting. It is. The writing is hilarious. I can't tell you though, like truly, I almost want to write Mary Laura and be like, I hey. think we need to meet because <laughs> we are very similar. And then there are other ways. She is um, so type A mm -hmm. and, and she addresses it many times. And I'm like, oh my God. Like it's almost <laughs> making me ill because I'm like, she knows, like somebody, like you said, somebody's mm -hmm. in my brain. Yeah. Like, and it's kind of scary. I get it. Um, but the writing is fantastic. People are going to love, like I really do believe people are going to love this. It doesn't come out until April. Um, so I'm sorry. Um, but it oh, is. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's, I know. <laughs> that's a very a early. Wow. Um, but it's so worth the wait, you guys. <laughs> so worth the wait. So in eight months, you can uh, yeah. you can check this out. It's fine. <laughs> the title, too, I think this is really lovely, comes from she overheard her son. Like, she was working in her home office, and this was several years ago when her son was, like, a toddler. Mm -hmm. And she heard him, like, sing-songing to himself, I miss you when I blink. And he was trying to oh. make something rhyme, like, mm -hmm. I miss you when I blink. I miss you when you stink like something like that but she loved this idea of i miss you when i blink mm -hmm. and she said of course your gut impulse is that it might be something romantic like right. i miss you when you're not here but she says i really took like it took me years but this phrase just kept sticking in my brain 
I miss who I was and I miss who I will be. Mm. And I love, I mean, I have like shed tears over this book because she writes in such a way, I didn't know other people thought this way. Like so many times in my life, one of the things I have often wondered about motherhood is, but will I still like the same music? Will I Mm. still be the same person I was when I was 16, when I was 18? And so I love this idea of, I miss you when I blink. I miss that old person, but she's still in there. Mm. Like she's still in there. And so anyway, I adore this book. I can't wait to finish it. I want to talk to everyone about it, but I guess I'll have to wait until April. You do. Well, that's going to be a hard wait. (laughs) That is a long wait. Sorry, everyone in their car is yelling at me right now. But it's nice to feel known. (laughs) It is. It's so nice to feel known. Between this and the Knox McCoy book, I feel like, okay, I'm going to be okay. So it was a comforting September in the midst of all our struggle. Yes, that's right. Which is, that's what books are supposed to do. That is what books are supposed to do. And let's, let's not forget that. is a production of The Bookshelf, an independent bookstore in Thomasville, Georgia. It's produced by me, Annie Jones, and Chris Jensen, and edited by Chris Jensen. If you're interested in purchasing any of the books we've talked about on today's episode, you can do so at www.bookshelfthomasville.com forward slash shop. Thank you so much to Forlorn Strangers for the use of our theme music. It's called Bottom of the Barrel from their album Forlorn Strangers. Learn more at forlornstrangers.com. If you'd like to support From the Front Porch on Patreon and gain access to exclusive bonus content like Unpopular Opinions, check us out on patreon.com slash fromthefrontporch. You can also check out our website at fromthefrontporchpodcast.com for web-only content and a full back catalog of our show with detailed show notes and links to further reading. This week in the bookshelf, a funny thing happened. So a gentleman came up to me after story time, I think it was story time, okay. um, and said... Hey, I was just in Augusta visiting my daughter, and we wound up getting into a conversation with her neighbor. She found out we were from Thomasville, Georgia, and so she was like, oh my gosh, the bookshelf is there. And she was a podcast listener, uh-huh. but the, which delighted me to no end. But then what also made me laugh out loud was he said, yeah, she said you talk all the time about how hot it is here. Wow. <laughs> and I was like, oh, do I? Yeah, we yeah, do. Yeah, we do. Because <laughs> you, you know why? Because it's, so it's so hot. hot. <laughs> it's so hot. It is so hot. Guys, I still can't open my front door. It's September, end of September, and it's 90 degrees outside. And that does not include humidity. And that, no, that's not the heat index. That's yeah. not the feels like. That's yeah. just the objective temperature. That's the objective temperature. But I just oh. love, like... And that's hilarious. It's like books, small business. And, and how hot it yeah. is in the south. That's right. <laughs> Thanks so much for listening. We will see you next week.